Uh, today I'm going to be preaching on a subject that's a little bit, uh, can be a little scary for some of you guys, but it's about spiritual warfare. Um, I'll be preaching out of the book of Joshua, and uh, I, I feel like <clears throat> this is something that um, like I feel I should pre- preach because uh, we're going into a season of promise, I believe, for our church community. We're in a, a season where um, you know we've had this uh, really this low season in our church history a few years ago, maybe about four years ago, our church kind of had this was flipped turned upside down in a sense uh, the the founding pastor he left the church and then uh, you know we were in this season of kind of like uh, just in this this uh, uh, what's the word um, limbo kind of sense right where we're just kind of going along but I believe that we're in a season where God's promises for new Philly, God's promises for your lives, but also God's promises to the church in general um, is really, um, it's a time for promise. And so uh, along with that promise, we learn what we learn from the book of Joshua and what we really learn from um, <clears throat> seeing like how the Israelites went into the promised land is like the place of promise and blessing is also a place of warfare, right? Um, when When you have promise, when you have answered prayers, when you have blessings from the Lord, um, it's also a time of, of, of warfare. It's also a time of fighting. It's also a time of, of battling the enemy. And the people of Israel have been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, right? I've been alive for 47 years now. Uh, so most of my life, these people were lost in the desert. I don't know how long you have ever been lost. I think the longest I've been lost, I was driving. Uh, I, I, I forget where I was. It was somewhere in L.A. And I just got completely lost. And I think I was lost. For the for like about thirty minutes, that's like the longest I've ever been, I think I've ever been lost. When I was a kid, I'd get lost, but then my parents would find me. I've never been lost for like forty years. Right? It's a long time to be lost. Yeah, they didn't have GPS back then, but you know, like most, it was it was supernatural, right? People knew how to get along, right? People knew how to to walk from like you know like from Jerusalem to Jericho, wherever, however, it's like it's, it's like they follow the stars and the sun, and they know what east, west, and south were, and so. Now, for them to be lost for 40 years was a supernatural uh, act of the Lord. And, and now they're finally entering into their promised land. They actually, you know, come into this land of milk and honey that God has promised them. And the first thing that we see when they reach their promise is warfare, right? Um, and, and so, you know, when we, we have to keep that in mind is that, you know, when we ask things from the Lord, when we're in this season of promise, we can't. We have to understand that it'll always be a, uh, it'll be also a season of warfare and, and, and fighting and, and contending, you know, for the things of God. <laughs> um, but one of the things that you keep in mind, um, is that, you know, our warfare is never based on our abilities, right? When God calls you to warfare, it's never based on your ability, right? If it was, we would all lose, right? If God calls you to fight and if God calls you to warfare, uh, it's never going to be based on your gifts, your talents, what you can do. It has everything to do with what God can do and the, and, and the power and the might that is in, the, is, it's in God, right? Through our obedience and our devotion to God, um, we're able to have a victory. And so, you know, like people get scared when, pe- when people preach and when we preach on spiritual warfare and like, you know, when people hear about like, you know, spiritual attacks and things like that, they get kind of nervous. They get scared. They feel like, oh, it's like, you know, what can I do? But we have to understand spiritual warfare is like, like 99% God, right? And then 
I mean, maybe not so much. Like about 10% us. Like we do have to contend. We do have to pray. We do have to, you know, do what we are called to do. But like the majority of what the power that is behind spiritual warfare for the believer is from the Lord. Now, uh, I'm going to be looking at Joshua chapter 10. So if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 10. Um, but before we go on to Joshua chapter 10, you guys need like a little bit of background about what's ha- been happening in, in the book of Joshua. And so, um, you know, it, it comes from chapter 9. So up to this night, the, uh, the Israelites, they enter into the promised land and the first, you know, the big, you know, obstacle they get to is Jericho. You guys, if you guys have been in church for a while, you guys know about Jericho, you know, the walls of Jericho. They follow God's instruction, you know, to a T. They don't even have to, like, raise a sword or do anything. They just march around the camp, like, you know, seven times, and they, and they shout, and then the walls come tumbling down, right? Everything, God has did everything for them, right? And so, they destroy this amazing fortified city. Back then, like, Jericho was like Fort Knox. I don't know if you guys know what Fort Knox is, where they keep all the gold reserve in America. It's, like, heavily protected, Right, like Jericho was like Fort Knox, and the Israelites, you know, they wipe, they wipe them out, and then they move on to this, uh, <clears throat> this city called AI. A, it's literally AI, the letter A and the letter I. I don't know if you pronounce it I or AI, but it was another mighty city. It was like a, you know, they were they were filled with warriors, and these were it was a mighty city, and God, you know, uses them to uh, to really wipe them out, and we know that. Um, God had commanded Israel to literally wipe out everybody that lives in the promised land. Uh, back in Deuteronomy 20, verse 17, it says, But you shall devote to them to complete destruction, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jezubites, as the Lord your God commanded, that they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against and so you sin against the Lord your God. And so God commands them, you know, God commands Moses and now Joshua to go into the promised land and wipe them out, right? Just like, like just destroy the people that are living there because, you know, if you don't, what's going to happen is, you know, their, their abominable practices are going to start to seep in. And this is kind of a picture of what God, you know, commands us to do against sin in our flesh, right? God calls us to really just fight sin to the point where we, we eradicate it from our lives, right? <laughs> so, sorry, I have this like frog in my throat. I know what you call it, but okay. so in chapter nine, um, uh, what happens is there's this people. They're actually um, they're the Hivites, right? But they're from the city of Gibeon. They're called Gibeonites, uh, and these were the, they're the people. One of the people that God had told them to destroy. They actually tricked Joshua into making a like a, um, a promise with them, right? a covenant, you know, like pro- a, a peace treaty with them. What happened is they, a delegation of Gibeonites, they come to jo- Joshua, but they like come like kind of like disguised. They come in like old tattered clothes. They come in shoes that are super worn out. Like, you know, like I know you guys all wear fresh kicks, but imagine, you know, when you have like shoes that are all just like got no sole. Uh, they have our clothes and they have like packs that are all worn and their wineskin are all old and they bring bread that's like all dry and moldy, right? And then, so they come to Joshua and they're like, we're from this land that's far, far away, right? It's farther than, all, like, like, this is like, this is, we're not from this area, right? We're from this, like, it took us like so long that look at the bread that we have. Look how moldy and old. When we left, this is like fresh baked bread, like from Paris Baguette, right? This is like, it was good bread and our shoes are brand new, you know, like, 
Like, look at us, you know, we're from this far off land and we heard about your God and we want to make this promise with you. Um, and so, you know, they kind of, they come and, and they, they, they make a treaty of peace with each other, not knowing that they're actually from just around the block, right? There's the Gibeonites just, you know, down the street, right? They're part of the Hivites, they're part of the people that Joshua and the Israelites were supposed to destroy. Um, and they were deceived because they did not seek counsel from the Lord. It says in verse 14, the Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire, inquire of the Lord. And so, um, you know, Joshua gets tricked in a sense. And now, um, you know, there's a whole other sermon here about the Gibeonites and the gospel. Uh, because when Joshua asks them, like, why did you do this to us? They're like, uh, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all of its inhabitants before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So when you when you read that, right, when you read the Gibeonites and why they did this, it's a sign of faith, right? First of all, they, they heard about their God and they believed in their God. They believed that their God was powerful and almighty, right? And then you see humility. They humble themselves. They're like, hey, do to us as you will. Right? We're, we're, you know, they were actually a very powerful city. They, they were like fortified and they had mighty warriors. And yet they humble themselves before the Israelites. And, um, they're mentioned actually in Nehemiah 33-7 where, um, they, they actually get assimilated into the people of Israel. And then in Nehemiah 3-7 it says, um, that they were one of the people that helped rebuild the walls of the city after the exile. And so it's this picture of, um, you know, how Christians, you know, they sometimes we come to church with, you know, ulterior motives, but ultimately when you encounter the true and living God, you know, you humble yourself and that's where you're, that's a place of faith. And, but that's a whole nother sermon. Um, but this is the Gibeonites is ba- basically what, you know, what we need to know about when we go into chapter 10. And so there's these people, <clears throat> they kind of use underhanded means to get at this promise. And yet, you know, the Israelites, even though they trick them into it, they hold they they, they hold to their word, right? Their, Joshua is is you know he holds on to his integrity. His words become his word. He doesn't want to like you know nullify this word just because they tricked them into it. Um, and so they they hold they you know continue on with this peace treaty. And so now we're in chapter ten, uh, and so this is kind of where we want to start. Uh, and I'll start reading. It says as soon as. Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai, Ai, and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and his king as he had done to Jericho and his king. So they're like they, the people, all of the kings that, all of the countries and the people that God commanded them to destroy. You know, like all the Ites, the Canaanites, the Pezrites, the Hivites, the Jezebites. Right? They hear about what what God has done through the people of Israel. <clears throat> And how the inhabitants of Gideon had made peace with Israel and were among them. He feared greatly because Gideon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So Adonazedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, uh, Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lashish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, <clears throat> the kings of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, and the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, and the king of 
Heglon gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gagal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So these five kings, right? These are the people that, um, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jejubites, these are the people that God had told Israel to devote to, to destruction. They, could, they get together and they're like, dude, um, these Israelites took out Jericho, right? Like it, it was the city that everybody looked to for strength. And saying like, oh, Jericho was, it's like their walls are fortified. They're a powerful army, right? They took them out and then now they took out AI. And then now, you know, the Gibeonites are on, like has joined them. And the Gibeonites were, you know, they were a, a, a city of mighty warriors. And so they, they get a little scared. So they get together, they, they, they bring their forces together and, and they're looking towards um, to take out Gibeon and to, you know, destroy the city of, of the Gibeonites. Um, and so, you know, they, they band together and to kind of attack Gibeon. And so the Gibeonites send word to Joshua, come help us. You know, you made this covenant with us. You made this promise uh, to be on our side. And so, you know, Joshua, he, he, he is at his word. And so he basically goes and he helps him out. He says in verse eight, and the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up from <clears throat> upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gigal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azka and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent to Beth Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. <clears throat> there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. And so, you know, like Israel, God tells Israel, like, hey, don't worry, don't be freaked out, right? You, I've already delivered them into your hands, right? And so Joshua goes against them. And they're fighting, and then God's like throwing fireballs from heaven and just taking them out, right? Like stones of fire are falling from the sky. It says that more people died from these hailstones of fire than um, the ones that were killed with the sword. And then it says in verse 12, <clears throat> At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like this before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned, and all Israel with him to camp at Gigal. So. And it's just like amazing story of how, you know, the, the, the Israelites, you know, there's this battle that they must fight and, uh, and they go up, up against the Lord and we see just the hand of God over the people of Israel. We see this supernatural way in which, um, God brings victory to the people of Israel. Now, uh, I'm being, I'm preaching about spiritual warfare as, and as believers, the Bible tells us that we are at war, right? 
we have an enemy and we are at war. Uh, it says in Ephesians 6, 12, verse 13, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the, e- the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 through 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience, when your obedience is complete. Now, Joshua and the Israelites were in a physical battle against these five kings and their armies, but the principles to their victory kind of like correlates to our victory in the spiritual realm, right? Because uh, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a, a battle against not just, you know, you know, we may not seem like it, you know, we're in school, we're teachers, we're, you know, we have our jobs and we go home and, but when we look at the spiritual realm, right, we are in a spiritual battle. There are forces of darkness, um, even our own flesh that rises up to lead us down um, a, a way of temptation against, you know, the, the ways of sin and down a path to destruction. Now, when you were saved, the devil took notice, right? Uh, and his efforts are now, you know, to, to bring you down. Um, Satan isn't omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. That's God, right? Omniscient means, you know, knows everything, omnipresent, he's everywhere at, at the same time, and omnipotent, he's all powerful, right? God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Uh, he's everywhere, he, he's limitless in his power, uh, but Satan is not. Satan is, is limited, right? And so he doesn't have to worry about all the non-believers that are living worldly lives out there, right? He just, they're like on cruise control, right? Like if a guy is, is, you know, living in sin, Satan doesn't really have to be like, hey, come on, keep doing it, right? That, that's just their lifestyle, right? But like, like he, he doesn't have to worry too much about them. But then when it comes to believers, when somebody becomes saved, right? Satan perks up. Satan starts to like, hey, like, you know, like, like, you know, these forces of darkness start to perk up and, and, and they come to oppose the full abundant life that you have in Christ. And the only forces, they want to come and kill your joy. They want to take away, you know, your, your, your hope and your peace, right? They want to mess with you and, and bring you down a path of sin and destructions. But we're not left helpless, right? I'm not here to scare you guys, right? Just because you guys are a Christian, you guys don't mean that you got you guys are in this like constant, like, you know, like in a fight or flight, you know, situation. We're not helpless. God says that we are mighty warriors, right? That we have the weapons and the strategy to defeat the enemy. Genesis twenty-two seventeen. It says, "I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sands that are on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies." Right? Well, we are that offspring. We are in Christ Jesus. We are those offspring, and we shall possess the gate of the enemy. Right? That's, that is our, our destiny. That is what we are called to do. And we have every weapon and everything available for us to rage a, a war against, you know, Satan and, and a war against sin and war against our, our, even our sinful nature and to be victorious in Christ Jesus. So let's look at this passage and see how we can have victory in our lives over the enemy, over, you know, in, in our spiritual warfare to really be in a place where we don't 
fall, out, fall into the deception of the enemy. You know, the, the Satan loves to lie. You know that? That's his number one tactic, right? He, the Bible says that he's the father of lies, right? He loves to lie. He'll lie to you. As soon as something happens in your life, Satan's there to lie to you and say, like, hey, like, God doesn't love you. God, you know, like, you know, everybody is, thinks you're, you know, they, all these whispers. You've never heard that? Like, when something happens and you just feel all, like, bad and you're like, why do I feel so bad? And, and you just have, you're just feeling all these, like, you know, like, either anxiety or fear or whatever it is that come. And it's usually the, the lies of the enemy that's come to kind of knock you off your place of joy and your place of peace. And so how do we fight? How are we to warfare, right? How do, what, what is available to us in our arsenal against uh, the spiritual warfare that we are called to? Right? And so the, the first point that I have, I hope it's the right one, yes, our warfare must be grounded in the Word of God, right? What do I mean by this, right? Well, like when you look at, um, one thing that happens after the Israelites defeat Ai, um, Joshua makes an altar to the Lord, he makes sacrifices, and what he does is he writes down the law of Moses upon the rocks, right? And he reads it to all of the people, right? Men and women and children. It's a symbolic gesture of saying that all that they have done and all that they have come and received comes from following God's word and his instructions. Now, when, you know, when we read about how I and, and Jericho was defeated, right? They, they had followed God's instructions to a T, right? God gives them God gives them his word, like, hey, do this, they do it, and they find victory. And so, you know, Joshua relied upon the word of the Lord. When it comes to uh, finding their success, being victorious in battle, it came from what God spoke to, to, to Joshua, was the word of God. He was reminded when he first took over, after Moses, you know, he had to die before he entered the promised land, or he died before he entered the promised land, Joshua took over, and he remembered what God told them as he was taking over. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you, that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful, right? And so once again, you know, and God speaks to him, right? And he believes in God's word more than he does his circumstances, more than what he sees in the natural. In the natural, he sees five kings. That means five like nations and their armies coming against him. Right? That's what he sees in the natural. But then what does God tell him? Right? Don't, don't fear. You already have the victory in me. And so he, just, he believes what? The word of God over what he sees in, 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 in what he sees around him, right? And, and, and the first weapon that God gave us to fight for him in this world is his word, right? It's, Paul calls it the sword of the spirit. It's the Bible, right? What, what God speaks to us, right? Through his word is the first weapon that we have against our spiritual warfare. It has everything we need to defend ourselves, right? You know, it has everything that we need to attack the enemy, and, and to be victorious, we need to learn and we need to learn to wield the word of God. We need to learn to like have the word of God in us so that when things happen, right, the word of God is a reality more than what we see in the natural. Right? And one of the key mistakes that Christians make when going into like spiritual warfare is they don't learn to wield the one clear weapon that God gives them, which is the word of God, God's instructions. I'm going to just pray real hard. I'm going to just, you know, God has me, right? God's going to protect me. He loves me, right? 
But they fail to realize that their prayers and even their faith right, is not rooted in the Word of God. It can end up being aimless. It's, it's like a platoon going to war with no intel or instructions from their commanding officers or their generals, right? When you're in the army, right, and you're, I don't know if you've ever seen those, like, you know, Vietnam movies, right? They all have this, they, there's this one guy with like a, like a, looks like a huge computer on his back, right? And back then, if you look at the old, they'd have the rotary phones. Well, there's a, it was a way for them to like, 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 you know, uh, be stay connected with central command because they know what's going on. They know all of the, the wars and the battles and all where all the enemy is at. So they have that connection to central command. Well, going into spiritual warfare without truly understanding and having the word of God in it is like just going into battle with no intelligence, no like information, just going there to try to fight, right? It is key to our success. Now, they may be praying something that goes against God's word for them, right? They may be standing on faith, but a faith of no substance because it's not founded in the word of God. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to wave Christ. Well, how are we going to destroy the arguments and every opinion raised against the knowledge of God if we don't have the knowledge of God. In Hebrews 4, 12-13 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible is not just a book filled with wisdoms and teaching, it is living and active. It can pierce into your soul and your spirit, it can discern your thoughts and intentions. That's the Word of God. Have you ever read the Bible, a passage that you've read many times and it speaks to you in a new and fresh way? It just like convicts your heart or just comes to you and you're just like, oh, I miss. like God is speaking to me right now. It's because God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit is alive and it can discern your thoughts and your intentions. And if you want to transform your thoughts and your intentions in your spirit, you need the Word of God. Now, I've noticed this in my life. There'll be times where I try to do something, and although it comes from good intentions, and I'm not doing something bad. I'm actually trying to do something good, but I end up failing, or it just doesn't work out. But when that intention is sparked by the Word of God, where God tells me something through His Word, and like I'm obedient to that Word, and I go and I do it, I, I usually, find, almost every time, I find success. Why? Because, it, because it's rooted in the Word of God. It's, it's different when it starts, when the source of it is from the Word of God. And we and we will see later on in the way that Joshua prays and the way that he warfares, the source of his action is from the Word of God. It's what God tells him to do. That's, that's, it, there's no, you know, like, like the beginning of our warfare, right, is the Word of God. You know, and also we have to realize, and we have to understand this, the enemy knows the Word of God. Jesus, at his temptation, it says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. The devil knows the Bible. And we have to take note, that Satan does not always try to ruin faith by saying the Bible isn't true. 
He often tries to destroy our faith by affirming some passage and using it to lead us into disobedience. That's why we have to be on guard and the greatest, the, the best way that we can be on guard is to know and understand the Word of God and what it says concerning us, what it says concerning our lives, what it says concerning the world. So we have to have the Word of God in our hearts. It's imperative. A lot of people say spiritual warfare starts with prayer. No, spiritual warfare starts from the Word of God. The Word of God directs our prayers. Right? So that's our first real weapon that we have is we have to, like the Word of God has to be our grid. It has to be the grid in that which we see everything. Right? And then my second point is that our warfare must not come from a place of fear. And it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Every time God has Joshua going into battle, one thing he says to him, every time, it's almost to the point where he just sounds redundant, tells him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you read chapter 1 of Joshua, it's all over it. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Right? Be strong and courageous. Right? Don't be terrified. Don't be scared. Be strong and courageous. Right? Do not fear. You know, before they go into Jericho, do not fear. Before he gives them the plan to conquer AI, it says, do not fear them. Right? It's because God knows that to fear the enemy is to not have faith in God. Right? Fear is the opposite of faith. If we're going to war against the enemy, we can't have fear because the source of that fear is a lack of faith in God. It's like a seesaw, right? If we have fear, something is like, is like, like, you know how a seesaw works, right? Like, as one goes up, the other goes down, you know? And so, like, if we have fear, right, what does that mean, right? We, we have less faith in God, right? You can't have fear and have a lot of faith in God. It just doesn't work that way, right? No seesaws work like this, right? Right. So then, then what does fear mean? Fear means that we have a lack of faith in God. It's unbelief. And the key to our success is what faith in God. It's, it's not like you know because of our abilities. Not because I'm so talented, right? I don't. We don't find success, you know, spiritual success based on all our power and our strength. It's not because I'm so strong and I'm, I have such willpower. I have the worst willpower, right? I fold in, a, in an instant, right? And people are like, like you know, like we, were, we were with our friends in Newfields in, in Winnipeg, Canada, and then like, and like we were, we were, we were you know, we were talking about stuff, and they, they're like the greatest parents that you can ever see. And then we were saying something, and then John, John, my friend, he's like, you know, like, don't do that, you know, don't fold to peer pressure. And then in my mind, it's like, fold to peer pressure, right? Like, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, my success doesn't come from my ability to not sin. It comes from what? It comes from the power of God that is within me. It's my faith in God that brings success. And the enemy already fears God. All of the enemies of the, Israel, of the Israelites feared the Lord, right? In the same way, Satan and his minions fear God. James 2.19, it says, You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Right? So we think that like, you know, the, the Satan's, you know, like the demons and all that, there are these people that are like, ah, you know, like, like, like you know, when they, when they even like mention God's name, they shudder and they fear 
But when we start to fear, the enemy loves to use, you know, use fear against us because all he has to do is to lie to us about God, causing us to lose faith in him. When we, when you start listening to the lies of the enemy, you start to lose trust in the power of God. He lies to us that God can't do that. That God isn't with us. That God isn't good. He's not. He's like God isn't totally good. Right? Like why is he telling people to wipe out all these people? God, God's not really good. He acts good, but he's not really good. You know, he says he loves you, but inside he just wants to punish you. Right? No. These are the lies of the enemy. That that he, he'll lie that God doesn't love us. That he wants to punish us. That you can't depend on him for everything. You have to depend on yourself. Right? And as those lies creep in, it weakens our faith in God. That's why, number one, uh, my first point, you know, our welfare must be grounded in the Word of God. That's why, number one, is so important. The Word of God is the truth. What the Word of God says about God is truth. So we have to get it into us. And the number one way that we can break off fear comes from the Word of God. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. Write it on your heart, like Joshua wrote it on those tablets, and, and he read it to you know to the people, and, and he 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 made sure that they understood it. They 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 inscribed it upon their hearts. Romans ten seventeen says, "So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ." So if we have fear, it's because we have a wrong understanding of God. And the way we can fix that is through His Word. Now I want to challenge you today, if you're struggling with fear and anxiety, or like hopelessness, right? some of you guys might be you know, struggling with like anxiety, some of you guys might be struggling with, with fear, right? I want to challenge you to start reading the Bible regularly. Right? Regularly and steadily. right? And prayerfully. Read and meditate on God's Word. And read it and as, as, and as a a reflection of your true identity of who you are. Right? Read the Bible as if you're looking at a mirror. Right? When you look at, read the Bible, you says the Bible says you know, you're a child of God. Right? See that as a reflection of who you are, and I guarantee you, 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 you the, your fears and anxiety will start to to subside, will start to diminish, because your faith in God will start to grow. Because the Bible will tell you, don't fear. Right? The Word of God will tell you, do not be anxious. The Word of God will tell you, to have hope, have peace, have joy in your heart. But God tells Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. And what does Joshua do? He's like, okay, that's my reality. Joshua doesn't question God. Are you sure, God? There's five of them. There's five armies. All right, these guys are like, you know, we've been, we've been in, 40 years we were wandering the wilderness, like, like picking food off the ground. We haven't been like training as like warriors. We don't even really know how to use a sword much. Like, truly, the Israelites were like, like the picture of like the weakest army possible. They've been, they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, right? You know, slaves don't get weapons. They don't get trained to fight slaves. What do they do? You know, they, they do slave things. They do they work the difficult, you know, they pick up rocks. I don't know what they did back then. Right? They did that for 400 years and then they, they get, you know, they find liberation. They go into the wilderness and what did they do for 40 years? They wander picking food off the ground, right? They don't even have to kill anything to, to, to fight for their food, right? When they wanted meat, God gives them quails, right? The slowest and the, one of the dumbest birds, right? 
they, they literally look like pears, and they're just like, they can't even fly, and they just like grab them and eat them, right? Right? They've been doing this for 440 years, and they come against some of the most, the craziest warriors that they can face, right? They were not trained to be warriors, and yet they find success. Why? Because it, it comes from what God calls them to. Don't fear. Do not fear. Right? And so, like, as we, as, as, as we stand on God's word, as we stand on what it says, right, it says, don't have fear, you know, but, but look to God and, 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 and hold on to the faith that you have in God. You may not have that job yet. You claim that God is your provision. Right? And you, 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 you don't fear. You have faith that God is your provision. You may not have that healing yet in your life, right? Or you don't fear and you claim that as, that God is your healer. You may have not. You may have a bunch of setbacks in your life, or you don't fear and you claim that God has a plan for you, plans for welfare, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You don't fear and you stand on the word of God. You know, and and I know sometimes it's not easy to not fear. Right? Like I, I fall into anxiety at times. I struggle with fear just like everyone else. But let me tell you, you may. Have tried and, 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 and you might still have fear in your heart, but I want you to know that out of everyone that is telling you to not have fear, God is telling you to not have fear if you're in Christ Jesus. And the, and the one person that you can trust when he tells you, don't be afraid, is God. If I ever tell you, hey, don't, don't, don't be afraid, right? You might want to be afraid, right? Like, like you know, like, when somebody says, when, I, when somebody says, trust me, right, right, you may, you may don't completely trust them, but then if God tells you, trust me, don't be afraid, is the one person in all of the universe you can trust and say, okay, I will not be afraid. It's a command. God commands you. If you read Joshua 1, it's like, it got, God's commanding Joshua. It's like, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, right? And it correlates with the faith we have in God. And so we warfare. We, we come against the enemy. We come against the attacks. We come against our temptations. We come against, you know, our, our flesh, right? From a place of not fear, but of faith. Knowing that God is with us, that He is who He says He is, right? And then my third point is we pray with authority and the power that we have in God. Right? At that time, it says Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and the moon in the valley of uh, Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Right? I love this part. Joshua prays to God. Right? He doesn't He doesn't even flinch. He basically, like, God doesn't even really tell him to do this, but he just like tells, he commands the moon to stop. He commands the sun to stop, right? and it stops. It says that he spoke to God, and says to the sun and the moon to stop. And Joshua declares it, right? And then they're able to have victory. The sun and the moon stops to moving until they're they're done having being victorious over their enemies. And in spiritual warfare, we have to pray. Prayer is a given, right? Like. You know, if you're not praying, right, you're already losing, right? Prayer is a given, but we also have to pray with authority, and we have to expect God's power, right? 
This is important, right? One, when you pray, you pray with authority, but you also have to have an expectation of God's power to manifest. We have to know that authority doesn't come from us. It's not just because, you know, you don't have authority because you're special. It's because God, He is all powerful. Right? That Christ in you has all authority and the power to destroy the works of the enemy. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? You're just the conduit of His authority. Right? But we have to understand that that authority that God has is going to use it through us. So Joshua knew that he that as he prayed to God and he commanded the sun and the moon to stand still, God had the power and the authority to do it. That's how we pray. When we pray, we pray with 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 faith and authority, knowing that God has the power and the authority to do what God says He can do. We pray in faith with an expectation for God's power. Now we don't pray, you know, if it's your will, right? Well, if you're living a life submitted to God, it is His will. You're following His will. And when the enemy attacks, when the enemy is trying to discourage, we're going to turn that attack into a victory when, when we have expectation of God's power. Do you expect God to work when you pray to Him? There's that expectation there. Now, the Amorites who worshipped the moon and the sun must have saw the, saw the sun and the moon stop and they probably were terrified. Right? And Joshua, he's able to command because it, not, it doesn't come from him. He didn't cause the moon to stop. He didn't cause the sun to stop. It was the authority that God had. He stood on God's authority and said, stop. Because God is God. And, 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 and the moon and the sun stopped. And that's how we pray in spiritual warfare. We decree and declare that the things that we can't do will be done by God. Because we are living in His will. We are submitted to His will. Being submitted to His will is key here. Jesus taught us to pray. You know, one thing that the disciples asked Him, you know, was teach us to pray and says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is a, this is an important part of our prayer life. This is an important part of how we see our reality. Right? It has to be about God's will. You can't just decree and declare anything willy-nilly, right? Like, I decree and declare that this girl will like me, right? I tried that in high school. It did not work, right? What do you mean? Oh, I'm glad it didn't work, right? We need to, you know, be living lives submitted to the will of God. We submit our lives to Him. We join His team and now He gives us the authority. He, we become conduits of His authority. He says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Right? So we, so when we pray, we don't just pray like, you know, like feebly, like, Oh God, if it's, if it's your will, and you know, I don't know why I have a British accent there, sorry. <laughs> like, Oh God, like, like if, if, if you could just like, you know, spare a moment. No, we pray with authority, knowing God, this is your will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I, I know that this is your will. And, and, and you pray with authority. Like, God, you can do this. God, I, I stand upon your power and I stand upon your will and upon your authority. That's how we're supposed to pray. 
So we pray with, with authority in line with his will, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And my last point is when we pray with faith and authority, this is not really a last point, but I just kind of added it. Right? When we pray with faith and authority in his will, God does most of the work. Right? It's based on his power. It says, number t- chapter, verse 10, it says, And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of beth and struck them as far as Ezekiah and Mekedah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of beth the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones and sons of Israel killed with the sword. When we war and we're on God's side, God does most of the work. Doesn't mean that we don't fight, but the power of God at work in us, and, he, and, and we rely upon His power to do most of the work. That's spiritual warfare. We war submitted to His will and His authority without fear but faith in God. And what have he does most of the work. It's based on his power and his ability. Spiritual warfare is not based on my ability, on your ability, what you can do, what you can muster up. It's based on your complete dependence upon God and saying, God, this is your will. Your your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm submitted to your will. Now now I stand upon your authority and, and we pray with boldness knowing that the victory is in, Christ, is in Christ Jesus. We're not to live in fear of the enemy, in fear of the world, but we are to live victorious lives, fully equipped to wage war against the forces that oppose God and His people. Now, there's, there's things that may happen. Like last night, I, I, I was preparing to preach on spiritual warfare. Me and the kids, and Mina, we all ate the same food, right? And I made this delicious chicken dinner, it was really good, right? With potatoes and sweet potatoes and, and I made it in our, our little pressure cooker thing. It was delicious. We all ate the same thing and then as soon as like like around like 10 o'clock came around, like I, I just I finished, you know, like preparing for my sermon. I got this like crazy and I felt like I had food poisoning, right? And I was like I was like, oh, like, I feel good. And then Mina came home from this conference and she's like all happy and like, oh, I'm like, oh, why? And she's like, give me a hug. And I was like, oh, I'm not here. I was like, I feel so up, right? Like, I feel like I'm going to puke, right? You know, and I, I just like, I, I felt like, like I didn't know it, but then Mina was like, hey, I break off every attack of the enemy in Jesus' name. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, is this, is this an attack of the enemy? Like, like, why do I feel like nauseous like this, you know? I started drinking like carbonated water and it didn't go away. And then like, and then, like, we all started going to sleep, and at night I just like, broke it off. I was like, break it off in Jesus' name, right? Took authority. And I woke up and I was like, hungry. I was like, totally fine, right? And I realized, like, 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 these, these things, attacks happen, and I have, the, I have the temptation to fall into it, but like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. I can't preach tomorrow. Like, I'm like, you know, like, you know, like, you're gonna have to preach me. And then I just, I, I stood upon the authority that God has. He is my healer. He's my healer. And the Bible says he's my healer. And so I just went to bed, peace, knowing that I'm going to be fine. And I woke up and I was fine. We are not to live in fear of the enemy, in fear of the world, but we have to be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm. And we're called to live victorious lives, fully equipped to wage war against the forces that God, 
forces of, of, of darkness and the enemy that come against the people of God. Through his word, through faith and authority, as we seek God's will in our lives and in a world, and, 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 and we seek his kingdom, right? We live with expectations that God's power is at work in our life. And when you look at this image of Joshua, right? Nowhere, when you read Joshua 10, nowhere does he question God. Nowhere does he falter. He doesn't be like, oh, are you sure? Like, uh, can you repeat that? No. He has, he, he stands upon God's authority. He's like, God tells him, don't fear. Right? These people, you know, you've already have the victory. I've already defeated them for you. And you see the boldness in Joshua. He's like, he commands the moon and the star and, and the sun to stop right? so that they can finish, you know, you know, finish their battle against the enemy. And that's the image of what spiritual warfare is supposed to be for the believer, right? We're supposed to be on the offensive. We're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be in control. We're supposed to be in our faith because it has nothing to do with our abilities. It has nothing to do with what we can do, but it has everything to do with what God can do. And it's our faith in Him. It's our trust in Him. And it's a going to Him and, and, and saying, God, you can do anything. You can do all things. That's where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a picture of spiritual warfare against the works of the enemy. Let's all stand up and let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we have the victory in you. Thank you, Lord, that but no matter where we are, what circumstances that we are in, if we are in Christ Jesus, the victory is ours, Lord. The Bible says that we have the victory, that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. You have defeated Satan. He is under your feet, Lord. Help us to stand upon the authority that you have. You say that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Lord, we pray that you will use us as conduits of your authority, your power, and your will upon this earth. As we, Lord, live our lives, may we be aware of the spiritual realm and what, what the, the enemy is doing in the spirit. And Lord, help us to be people that, Lord, wage war against the works of the enemy. Lord, may we not, Lord, fear. May we not be timid. May we not be, Lord, just uh, uh, on the defensive. But Lord, help us to be on the offensive. Help us to live bold and victorious lives for you, Lord. We thank you and we love you. We declare that all power and all all authority is in you, and we look to you for everything. You are our provision. You are our everything. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming today. Have a great Sunday. The weather looks amazing outside. Check out the beach. Help us to uh, help us to uh, tidy up when if you can. Have a great week, guys.